Zero Foxtrot does not profess to share or promote the opinions and beliefs expressed by show host or guests. The Stay Zero podcast was created to provide a platform for servicemen and women to share their stories. Due to the nature of this podcast, sensitive topics will arise. Conversations about combat, PTSD, drug use, and other such subjects will occur. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Stay Zero podcast. My name is Zach. My guest today is a good friend that about 18 years ago I got to spend Christmas with in Fallujah. And Mike Skenta, thanks for coming in today, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's surreal to get to see you. As always, man. Every, I think last time we saw each other was at the Baghdad Embassy in yeah. 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You were, oh man, that's right. I yeah. forgot that we ran into each other there. Yeah, man. What unit were you with then? Uh, three, seven, no shit. Yeah. I have to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I re oh man. I, the embassy, was that when we were dealing with all that stuff in the green zone? They were trying to overrun the green zone and they brought you guys in. I think there was a perceived threat that possibly that right. would happen. Yeah, they, right. so they brought the Marines in for yeah. anti-armor capabilities mainly. But They got in there one week. I remember it especially. They were right outside the walls. We could hear them chanting. And they stormed their parliament, their parliament and drug out their politicians and beat the shit out of them in the streets. I wish I could have seen that. Me too. Like I was, I was rooting them on. <laughs> Get them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's jump into a little bit about your Marine Corps career. When did you join? So I joined August 1st, uh, 1995. So oh, wow. a couple days ago would have been my, my 28-year anniversary of standing on the yellow footprints yeah. yeah so that was before 9 11 then yeah i joined before 9 11 uh you know i guess wasn't much going on I yeah, think, yeah you know a little little bosnia stuff or whatever uh some little little stuff but yeah that was about it what was your mos at the time so i came in as an 0311 basic rifleman yeah me too uh, i was too short to do the other mos <laughs> uh and you found your way to the sniper platoon I did. So, you know, I had a kind of a rough patch when I first started. I was a corporal a couple times. Okay. Um, so I had to had to wait a little longer than most. But, yeah, I went over to Snipers at my three-year mark and then uh, did that until I crossed over and went to the dark side. Yeah? yeah. What was the dark side? I became a gunner. So oh, yeah. Infantry weapons officer. That's yeah. right. That's right. And then we met – in Fallujah, 2005, on a joint mission. That's right. What unit were you with then? I was with 2-2. I thought that and was right. Yeah. yeah, you guys were, you know, it was busy down where y'all were. So it was. I think they sent a company and my sniper team. Yeah. And uh, I think we met on Christmas Eve and planned our mission and then uh, yeah. had a great time uh, all through Christmas. Man, I was, I was actually telling my wife about that story. and. I'm going to be vague and not use names, and, and because, but it's so funny. Um, do you remember the sergeant major attaching himself to my team? I do. Uh, <laughs> what I remember is that he wouldn't let you guys take any cold weather gear. Yes. And uh, oh I think it God. was uh, halfway through the first night that he was trying to uh, commandeer some sleeping bags from, from my guys because we brought them. Dude, it was such a shit show. 
um, I remember stepping into, into camp and getting ready for that mission. I was excited, right? Because it was, I felt honored to be selected for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was like, here's th- this unit's A team. Here's us. Like, we're going to get this shit done, you know? And, um, and he told me that he was going to go out with us. And I was just, okay. Like, I'm a Lance Corporal. And here's our battalion sergeant major. But I knew he was a sniper in, in Desert Storm. And so I'm like, all right, like this guy, he's an operator. Let's do this. It'll be okay. And I, and I remember he, he kind of gave me a pep talk. And he's like, this is your show, devil. You know, I'm just a fly on the wall to support. You let me know whatever I can do. I was like, perfect. Like I couldn't imagine a, a better attitude to come into that with. And then I started my pre-mission brief and all that shit went out the window. And, and like you said, he's, you know, it was December and he's like, and I told the guys, you know, wear your, wear your fleeces, wear your, bring your sleeping bag. It is going to be cold. We are right off the Euphrates river. And he totally trumped that. He's like, no, we don't wear that. We don't do that. You got to strip everything off. You know, you guys start to sweat and then they get cold to get hypothermia. And I think it was like maybe a mile insert from where they were dropping us off. I'm like, man, we ain't going to sweat in a mile walking to the, we just had to get through a, a, a grove, you know, but he wasn't having it. I remember. And that. so I told my guys, I was like, okay, uh, bring your sleeping bags. He's like, no, no, you don't, we don't take sleeping bags. We take, you can have a ranger role if you decide to, which, you know, poncho and poncho liner. Yep. And, uh, my, my heart's just dropping every time he opens his mouth, you know, and, and we get out there and, you know, we we do the insert and we start to kind of take off throat protectors and eye pro and helmets and, you know, get comfortable in the hide site. And again, no guys, we're a hundred percent. Cause I told him like 50, 50, you know, you two go down. It was like probably midnight. We'll stay up. We'll do every two hours. He's like, nope, 100% all night. Like, this is a four-day op, man. We're going to be 100% for four days? Yep. And the team's looking at me, and I'm like, I'm E3. You know, what, what am I going to say in this situation? And um, I had gone back to the FOB and rat-fucked, like, three cases of MREs and stole all the heaters out of them, shoved them into my ruck, and and we went out and – about, you know, midnight, two o'clock, something like that. Oh, there's another one. Uh, he gave us a bunch of a bunch of shit for not having flashlights on our rifles. I don't know if you remember this. Not only do I remember that, <laughs> I, I, I remember that uh, y'all's battalion had an SOP to identify each other at night mm-hmm. where you would open up your flak jackets with like an IR chem light. And, you know, our unit, we already had the you know, like what I would call modern scalable plate carrier that they uh, got us. And, and I was like, well, we can't do that. And he was like, well, you got to figure it out. And I was like, so, bro, let me get this right. You want me to open up, like remove my armor, expose my vital organs three times so you can see me. I was like, I'm going to pass, dude. Um, that was, a, that was yeah. an interesting go. Yeah, man. Um, it only gets better. I don't know if you know the whole story here. Well, no, because we weren't with you guys. and that, You know, that I felt bad for y'all because, you know, I showed up and, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I was a staff sergeant as a mm-hmm. team leader, which was kind of weird back then. You know, you didn't see a lot of us. Yeah, that was a that. high rank for a team leader. And uh, I was just like, well, I'm not doing that or I'll go back home, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. 
I remember yeah, we, envying that that power that you had. <laughs> I had no uh, home to go to. Uh, that was yeah. where that was my. No, situation. you you were home. Unfortunately, man, it was yeah. like having the you know the parents that rode the short bus. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we felt for you guys, man. He was he was interesting. It was tough, and we did that three, two, one, right? We yeah. did that signaling, and he's like, "Why don't y'all have flashlights on your rifles?" I'm like. We're we're greenside. We're not we're not searching houses. We're like I don't I don't want a flashlight on my gun. It's like well I guess I'm the only one that's going to be killing bodies at night. I was like you, you see them at night they're all yours, man. Yeah. They knew we owned the night. Nobody was moving, and uh, yeah, it must have been around middle of the night. I think he got up to do some squats or something to kind of warm up, and he knocks his rifle off over that's leaning against the tree, and guess what kicks on. Bat signal, boom, surefire, into the sky, waving around the trees, and he's trying to get it turned off. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I, my bad devil. You know, I was like, no problem, man. <laughs> like, and uh, I think I got up every couple of hours to, like, give a guy an MRE heater because they had to stay awake. And, you know, we're all probably, you know, spread out a little bit. <laughs> And just to stimulate their mind, talk to them a little bit, give them something to warm up. And, and I come back around and I had taken two poncho liners and tied them into my poncho to double my ranger rolls. I knew it was frost on the ground in the morning, if you remember. Well, I, I, I not only remember that, but I remember my team leader waking me up and he goes, Mick, you got to see this. Like during my watch, mm -hmm. the river started freezing. I, yeah. You remember that on oh, the yeah. like closest to the bank? Yeah. And I was like, you've got to be shitting me, man. You know, we're in Iraq, man. Yeah. It's, it's you don't think that it would get yeah. that way, like to see snow or, or yeah. things like that. But uh, I made the rounds and I come back and he didn't bring a ranger roll. That was, that was soft, I guess. So he was curled up in mine. And I come over there and I'm like, hey, hey man, uh, I think you, you got my ranger roll. He's like, ah. You don't mind sharing, do you, devil? It's fucking cold out here. And I was like, mm, that's why we bring sleeping bags. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, you know, long story short, that that we finished that night. And the next day we had to move. Yeah, we did. We moved to another area. I think it was further south, uh, closer toward Al-Assad. And I remember because wherever, wherever we got to, it was some defilade in between some berms. He kind of crawled off and took his flag his helmet off his oh he, his discipline broke faster than didn't make it that 24 of a hours 12 year olds yeah didn't make it 24 hours with his own rules um, and i can only imagine how many marines they njp'd for doing exactly that uh, but he crawled off and he stripped everything off and went to sleep didn't say a word and so the team's looking at me I'm like hey man you going to say something cuz we're all tired <sighs> okay so I, like i crawl over i'm like hey sorry major 100%, right? He's like, nah, fuck that devil. If, if you're not on watch, you, you can go to sleep now. I was like, okay. You gonna put your kid on? He's like, nah, nah. If you're not on watch, you don't need your kid. I'm like, okay. This would have been good the first night. <laughs> yeah. But I guess maybe he just kind of realized, I don't know. Because uh, they don't go out. They don't operate. Like their roles are not the missions. And so I don't know what he envisioned in his head, but I imagine he got out there and it was nothing like he was thinking it was going to be. Uh, and he slept till about noon. And then 
We could hear on the radio there was a convoy coming from Al-Assad to Camp Fallujah. And he crawls over, he gets on the radio, finds out who that is, has them stop on the road near our position, tells us, you got this, guys, I'll see y'all later, stands up from our hide site and walks to the road and gets on the random convoy and leaves. I remember that. And I'm like, okay. Well, shit, this just got better, right? I'm like, all right, I can deal with that. Later, man. Uh, Thanks for playing. And I get back to the FOB, and the CO sees us all come off the truck, and he's looking behind us, and he's like, where's the sergeant major? And I look at him like, he's not with you? They're like, what? (laughs) The next two hours was tracking his ass down at Camp Fallujah, and I guess he had gone back and gone to bed. I don't know, man. It was – what a mess. It was. <laughs> what was that op like for you guys? Do you remember it? Well, yeah, well, it was, a lot, it was a lot better yeah. than what it was for you. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, for us, I think it was it was good for my guys. Uh, you know, I think we had a. I, I've always told everybody I was really lucky with commands, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I probably had one, one of the best battalion commanders I'd, I'd ever seen or heard about, uh, Giles Kaiser. Nice and. Uh, you know, his his father, what was unique about him is his father was a master gunnery sergeant. So he had this mm. deep respect for NCOs and staff NCOs. And so when we were like, you know, hey, boss, this is how we're going to do it. He would go, all right. And that was it. Nice. And, you know, That's first, what you want. Yeah. But at first you're, you're, wait, you're always waiting for, you know, we're, like we're taught in school, like you're going to pitch your mission and some guy who like got a communications degree from like Minnesota Duluth and Alabama, yeah, you know, is going to tell you no. Cause he's, you know, like a mini version of Rommel, even though the only difference between him and you truly is he, he partied for four years right. at college and, and then got you a little here. bit more uh, formal education, if you will, military wise. And so it, it was really refreshing that, you know, within our command, you know, you were a trusted agent. And when you, you know, they, when they presented the problem and you said, this is how we're going to do it, they would just say, go. And, uh, you know, kind of like going to you guys, hey, you know, Sergeant Skinner or Staff Sergeant Skinner, what are you going to do when you get down there? And I was like, I don't know, sir. You know, I mean, we only kind of have the rough, you know, draft of what, what we're going to do, but, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out and, and, you know, we'll do it right. And um, I think for us, you know, I remember we were sitting around – I smoked my first cigar in life uh, with you, yeah. uh, Arturo Fuente. Um, I didn't. <laughs> you have a I'd good never memory. Heard, yeah, I'd never heard of them, you know. And yeah. uh, you guys were all into that. You were kind of like sophisticated dudes, right? We were, you know, you were West Coast dudes. You were a little more refined. You had like table manners. <laughs> we were all a bunch of like rednecks from the East Coast. Who, you know, didn't shower much and talked funny and That's had never funny. smoked cigars. I think some of my guys had probably smoked them with other stuff in it uh, prior to the core, but um, it, it was just fascinating to see, you know, it was our first time really working with a West Coast unit. Yeah. Um, and we expected you guys to be way more chill. And it, it was literally like going to a state prison, I would imagine, when we showed up. You know, it was it was very controlling, very micromanaged. Um, so for us, it was kind of like 2-2 appreciation week, right? Yeah. Um, I think we were there, what, a total of 10 days because uh, we did that that uh, op in the house uh, yeah. on the intersection, uh, which was good because I think you guys weren't allowed to 
occupied buildings up until then. And then when they mm-hmm. saw what you could do from a position where you could dominate, um, from we what I remember hearing from you guys, you know, it, it, it kind of helped y'all out. So absolutely, I think it was, you know, anytime you can see how anyone else does the same thing, um, you learn something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like I tell everyone, everyone you meet, you're going to learn something. It might be what not to do or what not to be, but you're going to learn something. And, and I will say with y'all, not not your team. I mean, you guys, we're you know, we're all the same, same, right? Um, just a bunch of young Americans that want to want to do God's work, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for our people. But uh, we definitely realized, like, holy shit, there are some wrong ways to probably do this. And yeah. you know, I, I remember, you, you know, I think your line platoons had taken a decent bit of casualties. That's that's why we kind of came down there to help y'all out. And um, it, you know, it was. When we got back, it was like, well, what do you think's going on down there? And it was like, man, they're just these guys are handcuffed. You know, they're not they're not really able to perform their duties in the the way they want to, and they mm-hmm. they definitely can. And you know, that leads kind of into another thing. Like I, I always tell everybody, I don't think there's any bad units. I think there are. Uh, I mean, there are definitely bad individual Marines, but I think sure. uh, when you hear about a bad sniper team or a bad reconnaissance team or a bad platoon. It's probably more than likely the the effect of a bad command structure, right? And, yeah. Um, we were just, you know, extremely blessed to have Colonel Kaiser, and uh, you know, I've I've kind of just always been lucky like that, I guess, through my whole time. You know, I I tell everybody I'm pr- I'm probably the only dude that will never say like fuck that guy about one of my former bosses, right? I'm, yeah. I've just kind of always been a little lucky with that. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. And you're right. I had the opposite experience. Oh, I know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, we loved kicking it with you guys. It was great, but we were like, man, we need to get the f out of here. Yeah, I, take us with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wish I could have, man. <laughs> I got, I got on my truck as fast as I could. Oh man. Um, so what did, what was your career like after that? Because we parted ways for ten years. What was, what else did you do? So, we did that deployment. I came home for. Uh, about six months and went back out again, did another, another deployment, uh, in pretty much the same areas, Zadon, Fallujah, Mamadia, or yeah, uh, uh, Mamadia, all that, um, you know, rinse and repeat, um, got yeah, I went back. right back in 2007. Yeah. I mean, which, I mean, honestly, you know, I, you know, people have always been like, man, wasn't that hard? And it's like, no, man, like, you don't go out for the football team to like not play football, not play football. You want to go hit some shit. Right. And yeah. I mean, it was great, you know, as far as job satisfaction, I think, you know, there's nothing like the ultimate test. Right. And, and that's what combat is. It's, it's, you know, you could be the honor grad of a school or get as many schools as you want, but until you go and show you can do it and, and do it at a level that, that that's acceptable I don't know if it even matters if it's acceptable to you, but acceptable by your peers, right? The men that you respect, because that's, I think that's usually the gauge we all use Man, there's nothing better. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. If I could have just stayed a sergeant in a sniper platoon for 20 years and there was a war, I would probably just do that. I mean, to the detriment of everything else that we know it affects, but, um, it's the best spot to be. It's, it's, 
fucking awesome, You've man. You've got I the mean, rank to be taken seriously, but you don't have the responsibility of logistics or managing, you know, a whole yeah, platoon. You, you say, or, oh, I don't know that yet. Totally. It's like my job to. is the mission. Yeah, to be. And I carry that out. Technically and, and technically yeah, proficient, you know. And Yeah, so I, I finished up there and uh, I, I took orders and went out to Scout Sniper School Hawaii. Uh, I was the, the staff and COIC out there for three years on the dot. Um, you know, I, I was not a fan of the Hawaiian Marine Corps. I, Really? I, I jokingly call it the coconut core, but um, <laughs> why is that? You know, it's it's a different mindset out there, and mm. when you know when you're at sniper school, the lights are on at five. They go out when you're done, right? It's mm. it's an event driven job, and uh, trying to run such a demanding course, uh, and, and in Hawaii, it's even more logistically demanding, right? The ranges and but, stuff. You know, when Motor T doesn't open up till late and everybody on base takes Aloha Friday, so they're off at noon. Uh, at the time, they really didn't train much because you can't do much out there unless they went somewhere else. Um, and that's not, you know, I'm not saying there aren't great Marines in Hawaii. I just think holistically the attitude uh, is just not acceptable. It didn't jive with me, right? Like I'm out there trying to train young men how how to go fight, kill, and, and survive, right? I mean, I had a, a class from 3-7, uh, no shit. Uh, those guys didn't even get to do their final exercise. So it was like they they literally got to that point, and we gave them their hog's tooth and their cert, and it was like, if you get killed, I'm, I'm going to your funeral and taking that bitch back, right, because you failed your facts. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, they, they literally, like, left school. So, I mean, it, for us, it was very – it was a very serious job in just, I think, a wrong place to be uh, at the time. Um, I mean, a lot of people will disagree with me, but when that school shut down, um, I, I, like, took, like, a sigh of relief. Like, thank God. You really? Because I just think there's too many too many distractions, too many, you know, and, 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 again, that, you know, Hawaii is a great place to visit, love the culture. Um, I don't think it's conducive to, to military uh, lifestyles, you know, according to me. Yeah, um, man. No, I can see that. It's like going to Disneyland and trying to work remote. Yeah. Like, how the hell are you going to stay focused on your job when you have all of this? The bar stay up until five, you know? Totally. And you know, a Marine, no matter what's happening the next day, if there is a place to buy alcohol, he will be there buying that alcohol, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean. I wake up and run and wait, sweat yeah, out that show whiskey. up and yeah. get it going, right? But, uh, yeah, I left Hawaii. I went to uh, one two, uh, went to the sniper platoon there, and then uh, about a month before deployment, uh, we had a company gunny quit, and uh, so I got the uh, prestigious uh, honor of being the H and S company gunnery sergeant while on that deployment to Afghanistan. That was um, a change. Yeah, well, there's nothing like building a platoon. You know, when I got there, I think they had two snipers. By the time we deployed, we had like 14. Right? Oh, wow. Um, and, and a great group of guys. Um, but I definitely realized at that point, like, okay, I don't want to be a first sergeant. I don't even know if I want to be a master sergeant. This, you know, I'd never been outside of a platoon level before, and I'm a gunny. Um, I was like, maybe this isn't for me, you know, so um, – my ex-wife, I've got to give her some props, right? She was like, well, look, dude, you're not throwing away 14 years. So 
Yeah. How about you put in for this gunner program? And I'm like, well, at the time it was like 16 years and I had never done anything but really be a sniper. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to get it, right? So I'll entertain or put it in and maybe go contract somewhere, right? You know, the, the big dream we all have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, God really loves to fuck me over sometimes. And uh, I, get, I get accepted, right? And, you know, I'm on block, I'm on terminal, uh, block leave. We just got back from deployment. I've got my, my daughters, uh, we're at the park. I'm pushing them on the swings, you know, they're three and one and, you know, just spent, and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up and it's like, congrats, dude, you got it. And, you know, inside I'm like, fuck, you know, I thought I was getting out. Yeah. You know, I, I keep trying to leave and you keep pulling me back in. Yeah. The lobster pot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, from there, uh, you know, went to TBS and then, the, you know, the the warrant officer version. Um, learn how to eat with like a fork and knife and wear your uniform and uh, not trust enlisted people, even though you were just one like the other day. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, from there, I went to 4th Reconnaissance Battalion. I was their gunner for uh, five years. What was that like, stepping into their community? You know, so... One, I didn't understand the reserves even, right? So I was, I'm like an active guy in reserves, but it was fourth recon. So I'm like, oh, even numbers to the right. I, I thought all reservists went to like Camp Pendleton or Lejeune. Okay. I didn't know like they had bases all around the United States, right? Because, yeah. I mean, how many times did you work with a reservist? Like zero. Yeah, no. Um, and then they're like, well, you got orders to San Antonio, Texas. And I'm like, there's not even fucking water there. Like, what's a recon unit doing there, you know, right? Yeah. Um. But I'll tell you, it was, it was uh, when I look back as far as like enjoyable times in the Marine Corps, uh, I would say that was one of my most enjoyable times. I had two of the most dynamic leaders I'd ever worked with in, in, in like forward thinking, uh, completely trusting, empowered their men from, from the lowest level and up. Um, and they were uh, Bruce Sotier and Eric Dill. Um, just great men, right? I mean, and I'm still friends to them to this day. Well, you know, because one, they didn't fire me, right? So I, I've got to, I've got to keep paying up for that. But you know, I got to go to Mexico and support the mission down there, uh, train the Mexican Marine Commandos. Yeah, what was the mission there? Uh, so we were training uh, Mexican Marine Commandos for the the war on drugs. So okay. uh, precision marksmanship, small boats. Uh, square bay house techniques, all that. And this sounds like almost the Army SF mission. Yeah, I mean, there were some folks like that down there. Um, yeah. It was a really kind of cool mission that these guys fell in on. And, uh, you know, I kind of went down there to make sure, like, the precision fires was going right, help with the ranges, of course, Yeah. and uh, make sure we didn't kill anybody, um, more or less. But, you know, we did that. Uh, we had the battalion go do the Black Sea Rotational Force in Europe. What is that? Uh, so it's a theater support cooperation, right? So it's more or less, you, you know, your Black Sea nation. So uh, at the time, Lithuania, Estonia, you know, Georgia, all these places. Okay. So we got to kind of fly around and build ranges everywhere. And we had guys in Jordan. We had a platoon in Afghanistan. So even though it was the reserves, it's probably the busiest I, I could have been. I think out of my five years there, I averaged – about seven and a half months on the road, right? Um, which was brutal on the family. Um, yeah. Again, I think we get that super hyper focus on mission, right? And if the mission's fun and it's good, you know, you have that mission and purpose, man. It's 
unfortunately, you know, you see your kids on the exterior or your wife and your parents and your friends, and then all of a sudden you just start seeing blurs of their faces. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you've been there, man, and then it's just like like lights, right? And you're just like focused on what you're doing. Um, and But it, w- it was a hell of a ride, right? It, I mean, it was really rewarding. Um, super talented guys, you know, these reservists, man, I got a ton of respect for them, right? Like you've got guys that are on like FBI, HRT, like that's their day job, right? Wow. Or MIT, you know, adjunct professors or entrepreneurs who are multimillionaires and they're sergeants because they, they just want to enlist and go get shit, right? Um, and, and they're just a fascinating group of Americans, you know? Um, I mean, you and I got paid all the time. We got fed if we ran out of money. We had, man, these reservists, a lot of times I've seen kids do it and not get paid for six months because it's just, we act like it's the first time every time, right? But uh, I think their level of patriotism is is really, you know, one, it's genuine and it's just, it's unbelievable uh, when you compare it. Uh, I think they have a much more like romantic form of service than mm. we, you know, we were just like, oh, you know, kill shit, break shit, you know, yeah. I think to them it's more of a, a purpose-filled kind of thing because they can quit anytime they want. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's a great perspective I have never thought about because— Well, I, I was paid to say that before I came <laughs> um, by, by one of the reserve commanders, yeah. Al, Alan Jaster. Yeah, yeah recruitment's um, down. We're going to need to— <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and just in case you, you, you know, you're looking for college money, please go see your recruiter about yeah, the Marine Reserve. I mean, shamefully, I remember my perspective where these guys are weekend warriors. Like, that's the name that they're given. And that was a little bit of how we perceived them. Like, they're not in this the way that we are. Yeah. But in in the way that you've described it, they're in it for a more pure reason. It it isn't chasing a a career so much as it is like, I have this life, but I'm also, I'm going to almost volunteer this time. Yeah. Because it isn't. And I'll tell you, you know, the the staff and CEOs and above, they're, they're planning out that next thing while they're doing their, yeah, their real day job, right? Right. And that's, oh, I'm glad you know, shared that, man. You know, and another unique thing is, you know, most of the reconnaissance marines, they're they're actually prior service. You know, they don't. It's very hard to make like a true reserve baby reconnaissance marine. So it was unique, you know. And uh, you know, I left there. I went three seven, no shit. And uh, you know, I got to this battalion. We're doing the special purpose MAGTAF over in the Middle East. So I got to link back up with you again. And, uh, you know, we had guys in Jordan, uh, northern Iraq, up, you know, uh, doing stuff up there, al-Assad, TQ. Uh, we had the first guys to go into Syria uh, from the conventional forces, right? Our snipers did some great work. Um, I got to give a shout-out to my man, Tryon. I mean, he swacked some serious, you know, yeah. uh, tangos out there. Um, and it, it was awesome, but, you know, Again, I go back to that reserve uh, billet I did. My companies were in New Mexico, Georgia, Texas. I had guys all over the world. So when I went to do this MAGTAF, it was kind of like, for me, it was like slow motion, right? Like, I'm like, oh, well, everybody's under the same roof at 29 Palms, right? We all go to the same ranges. And then when we got overseas, it it was kind of like running a reserve battalion. So, you know, I was kind of chilling, you know, just in chill mode. Yeah. uh, it was great, you know, and uh, I did my time with 3-7. Um, I had to kind of pay the tax. You know, gunners got to go be range officers and stuff like that. And so I became a range I went to, to the range uh, at 29 Palms. And, uh, 
Now you know why we were so fucked up. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that no, was no. where we were from. That uh. you know, I love Twenty Nine Palms. I you know uh, when I was at Three Seven, again, great experience. I had an awesome boss, Andy Nelson. Uh, the whole command climate was amazing. Uh, one of the company commanders I'd served with him when he was a second lieutenant, and I was a gunny, and now I'm a gunner. You know, it, it was just really cool, uh, cool dynamic. Uh, I mean, one of the best officers I've ever met in my life, Nick Morales, was there. Uh, Jimmy Covey was our opso. I mean, just an absolute hammer of a man, right? I mean, he just like his mere existence is violence, right? Um, I mean, this guy's just fucking awesome, right? Like <laughs> deadlifting in Silky's barefoot, right? You know, outside. I mean, the guy's just man. It was, yeah. it was great, you know. And and the guys want Super Squad and you know all that kind of stuff. And and it was it was just a, a kind of a great way to finish my battalion gunner time. And then it's like, hey, dude, you just won the grand prize. You're going to be the range officer at Twenty Nine Palms. And I mean, to be honest, at first I was like, I would rather suck razor blades for a week than go do this job. But you know, you. You always find your, your your way to do what you want. So I didn't care about the rifle range. It was going to happen. You, you know, that's like robot shit. Yep. I had guys who cared about the rifle range, so they did that. And then I was like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, right? So I shot comp. I started getting into comp- competitive shooting. Uh, within the Marine Corps? Within the Marine Corps, Corps yeah. Okay. Like the, the action – because they have an action shooting competition, right? I'm not familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, so it's uh, – you know, two gun, pistol, and, and and rifle at the division level, and then if you go to the Marine Corps matches, it's like three gun, shotgun, tricked out, race like guns, like USPSA like. type of yeah, yeah, wow, that's running cool. around, running and gunning. So, um, you know, I was really fortunate. I had three amazing teams, and uh, we won the team championship three out of four years, right? So, like, I'd never done it, you know, and all of a sudden I got like all this gold weirdo shit and. You look like a fraud in your uniform. Um, and I was able to pick up a couple individual medals and, and awards as well. And it was it was cool to get to push myself, at, especially at that age, right? I'm already, you know, Marine Corps, I'm 40. That's like you're dead. Like, yeah. you know, younger guys look at you and they're like, how the fuck are you even breathing? Yeah, when's this guy um, getting out? Yeah, w- w- when's he getting out or when's he, like, dying? Right? <laughs> um, he still runs a PFT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better than them. But uh, it was cool to kind of get into you know that side of it right you know and even as a sniper i I was pretty good shot uh, i think better than a lot but i was always intrigued by the mission planning and that kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. like that's what i really got off on so to kind of get the focus on that and 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 do it it was amazing And 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 i'll tell you the first time I shot, uh, you know, and everybody was like, oh, man, there's this gunner. He was a sniper. And I think I finished like 180th out of like 200 people, right? I mean, first rifle match. And it, Competition's it was— Competition's different. Yeah, it, but it was great. It was it was humbling. And it was like, well, you know, I got to unfuck myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it got me to get back out on the gun, really work, and, and, and put myself in some uncomfortable situations besides like in a sleeping bag with another man, right? So it was it was really fun, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so did that, I got, I got selected CWO four and, uh, I got my first pick, which was a school of infantry, you know, and I, I kind of wanted to get back to where it all started, you know, and, um, just an amazing team there. Um, probably met the most incredible Marine officer enlisted I've ever met, uh, master guns, Corey Pascavan, uh, just a hammer, right? Like he won two recon challenges in a row over the age of 40, right? Wow. Sniper. I mean, there's nothing this guy couldn't do, but uh, 
you know, we kind of got to usher in this new infantry Marine course. Um, we had, we just had an amazing team. My, my bro, AJ Pasciutti was the battalion gunner down at ITB. And, and, and we, you know, we got this amazing opportunity to be a part of this thing that kind of took the infantry training for the, the, the enlisted guy, modernized it and actually treated them like they could do more than just, you know, fog and mirror, chew rocks and fog and mirror. Right. I, I think when we got there, the standard to be an infantryman was like, don't get hit by a car. Don't steal anything over 20 bucks. Don't get caught pissing the bed more than twice. Right. Like, like shit like that. Yeah. And then, you know, now I look at where we're at and it's, and that's not to take away from the infantrymen of the past. Right. Like we just, we just had to learn on our own or from our squad leader. And now we formalize it and you've got these guys that do land nav individually day and night, right? Like a real land nav. Um, They shoot a very similar course to like what EOTG does. Um, Just, you know, empowering those young men and like actually giving them the challenge that they wanted, right? Because, I mean, mean, let's be real. Yeah, boot camp, it sucks, right? But was it hard? I left boot camp in worse shape than I went in. 100%, right? You know, SOI, I I mean, when I went through, I think I had a corporal who had just got a DUI, so they had to put him there and he had to walk everywhere. And the only thing I remember out of the School of Infantry was they taught us how to smoke a cigarette in a magazine so you couldn't see the the cherry, and that's it. And, like, if that's all I remember, it was like, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, actually give these guys a challenge? And and what we saw instead of – like the attrition rate going up or any of this, it actually went down. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, you know as well as I do. Like you join the Marine Corps to get hit by a Mack truck, right? Yep. And when you don't, you're disappointed. It's kind of disappointing, right? And and so now I think what the challenge will be to the Marine Corps is to keep that momentum going as these guys get out to the fleet and, and uh, continue their career. So it was, it was a great great way to end it, you know. Um, you know, at the end there, I had some wonky stuff going on, right? Like I was in a motorcycle accident on the I five, which I mean, you know, the speed limit on the five is pretty high, and uh, you know, was pretty jacked up, and I could have probably stayed, but it was like, man, where where am I going to go? Like, be a CW five somewhere, and you probably don't you don't see that many Marines anymore. You're doing like stuff that just didn't look fun, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would have got it, but. Uh, it just didn't look fun to me, and it didn't rhyme with Texas wherever I was going to go. So, um, you know, my wife, who was also a Marine, she was going to get out in November. Yeah. So we were just like, fuck it, let's call it, go back to Texas, and we'll see if I can find a job somewhere. And, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a job while, before I was even on, you know, right when I got on terminal leave, you know, I had a job. That's the uh, best way to and, do it, man. Yeah. You know, I was I was pretty lucky with it, so. That's it, you know. That's twenty-seven years in a nutshell, man. That's awesome. A couple NJPs, you know. A couple. A couple what was it? Chesty said, like, if a marine doesn't have an NJP, there's something about. It. There's a quote there. Do you know it? No, you know. I, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm not a Chesty fan, right? Like, I'm. I'm. You know. I just I'm the, remember there was one. Same I'm the thing. anti-hero dude in the Are Marine you? Corps, right? Yeah, you know. I mean, I think we we celebrate a lot of guys who, who I think if we actually met them and knew them, we wouldn't be that impressed with them. You know, I know you've got some opinions on Hathcock. I do, um, you know, but if you want to share them, you don't have. Well, to. you know, I, I think you know he's dead, so it's like, what are you going to say? What, why, why talk negatively about a dude that's not here, right? Um, that's a good point. Uh, 
I think, you know, again, the Marine Corps, we love, we love our heroes, right? Sure. Um, we love to sensationalize them. Uh, I mean, you know, like we just have lunatic, like lunatic shit we say, right? Like the seven belt loops on your camis are for the seven C's. Well, fucking army camis have seven belt loops too, man. What, like, no, it's because that's how so the man- So do my Wranglers. <laughs> yeah, so do my Wranglers. Unless you're over a size 38, right? Then you get that special eight looper. Eighth belt loop. You know, but, uh, you know, we just, you know- we 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 just are so into like the kind of fake history and and you know I'll never doubt that Chesty Puller was you know went to war and everything but I find it very hard to believe that a colonel was doing anything heroic enough to to rate that many Navy crosses I'm sure his men absolutely did um, you know but I but I think uh, we we love our heroes you know we love to uh, sensationalize some of these people you know like Jim Mattis. Um, you know, I'll be honest, never a fan, right? Like, um, and I and I know I, I'm. You're not gonna fan I mean, me a bit. You know, you're... I honestly I don't know him. We just we liked the name. Yeah. It means warrior, and and I was working for him. He was the secretary of defense while I was with the agency, and so or an agency, and um, my wife picked it, and I was like, hell yeah, let's just do that. No, it's a great name for on sure. A, for on sure. a on a, a and strapping, good-looking young man, right? Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I think it's like I uh, think there's a need to have someone for the guys to look up to, or a standard to to have a history, to have a, a legacy. I, to... I yeah, definitely. Like history, legacy. I think those things are important. But I think if you Keep it holistic, right? Um, because the whole thing is like none of us are special, right? Sure. So when we start this like kind of idol worship, I think it, it, Except becomes, for that guy. it, it becomes very dangerous, mm -hmm. right? And so... You've um, seen the Pacific? I have. John Bass alone. Yeah. I think that represented exactly what you're saying. Ish, right? They needed someone to sell war bonds. They needed a hero story to tell to inspire a hundred percent, but I, I think eventually, you know, the man himself, you know, he does it on good intention, but I think it always ends up, you know, this is a business, right? No matter what anybody says, war's a racket, right? Yeah, man. One of my favorites. Great book. It's, it's a business. And so uh, sooner or later, I, I think there's like a little exploitation. Uh, they probably start to believe their own bullshit. Yeah. You know, the, the fish, I mean, come on, man, we're dudes, right? Like, I've never caught a fish that wasn't this big, right? <laughs> like, I mean, if I caught a fish, it was this big. If yeah. I shot a deer, the rack was this big, right? He was like a 20-pointer A-tip, right? Yeah. Um, I've never shot just like a retarded-looking spike, <laughs> um, which was probably all I ever shot, yeah, yeah. you know, in the beginning. But, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a little dangerous, right? You know, we get these guys that say these cool things, right? We're a, we're a slogan-driven society, right? That's why— we, that's why people love McDonald's and Coke, right? Like they just make badass commercials, right? And I, I think when you look at guys, you know, and again, General Mattis served his nation for over 30 years. I've got a ton of respect for him. But when he says stuff like, you know, these guys that slap women, it's fun to shoot them. My question is, you know, General, how many men have you shot? And the answer will <laughs> undoubtedly be fucking zero, man. And uh, you and I have both shot people right and that that's not to make an arrogant statement um and we might have thought it was 
fun in a moment, mm-hmm. but it's not a fun thing. It's a very serious thing. It's a very spiritual thing. It's a very right. deep thing. And, and it's not fun. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not. And, and you and I both know that. And I think anyone who's ever done it knows that. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think th- those kind of statements are very dangerous, uh, especially when we have someone that's like our bumper sticker dude, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Talk to me about the change that you noticed from 96 to Not the yet, sure. 95. 95. 95. Don't to, cheat me years, bro. Sorry. I did every single one of those things. <laughs> you probably do more. Trust me. <laughs> to the time that you got out within the culture, and then I'd like to go into what the fuck happened with the battalion snipers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Why that yeah. got, like, there had to have been something yeah. of a change there for them to get rid of battalion snipers. So, you know, what did I see change over 27 years? Um, you know, I always loved it cause guys are always like, oh man, these kids are, they gotta be getting soft, right? They gotta be this. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Um, and I'm kind of, again, I'm so thankful I got to finish at the school of infantry. Um, it's the same kids, man. They're, they're the, they're the, the survivors and, 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 and grinders from the inner city. They're the hardworking kids from from the heartland and in, in, in middle class America, and they're they're the 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 young men and women who maybe had a little more than everyone else, but want to serve, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think like those three types of people are are what dominates our our military culture, and you know those same folks are still going, right? Um, maybe not as many of them, but but they're still there. And, you know, when I look at these young men and women now, I'm like, holy shit, man. Uh, they are definitely smarter than us. But, again, when I talk about the two of us, that's not hard. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I think writ large, they're they're extremely intelligent. They're driven. Um, you know, I, you can you can you can teach physical skills and, and you can you can build physical hardness. But I think that same resiliency and spirit uh for service is is just as strong with those same people right like you know mattis isn't going to grow up 10 years from now no matter where he lives in this country and just be like dad you know what i think this place sucks i want to move to you know russia or wherever and and you know that's it right like he's still going to be a patriot he's still going to have a sense of service no matter what he does right he told my wife the other day he was going to join the marine corps like dad and she's like no the hell you're not <laughs> <laughs> tell him to go army man they say way better like, right yeah, yeah i was like nothing hurt me more than my baby brother you know wanting to join and, and at first he's like man i think i want to go do this or that in the marine corps and i was like bro there's this 18 x ray program you should yeah. really look at it. and he did it you know thank you good goodness. for him yeah, he just uh, just got assigned over at uh, the schoolhouse in, in North Carolina. and Contracting you know. opened my eyes to the other experiences that were out there yeah. and made me realize that I, I made that decision based off of ignorance, and I just knew, like, the Marine Corps is the hardest one. That's the one my uncle was in. And so Marine Sniper is what I'm going to do. And that was from day one. That was my goal. That was my mission. I had no concept of like 
how are you going to be employed as a sniper? What is the mission for? What is the budget, bro? When you're 18, for, you don't care about those things. You don't care what's past like the girl at the karaoke thing, <laughs> you know, on Friday, right? So totally. But to meet all these these Rangers, these SF guys, these Navy SEALs, these PJs, I was attached to a PJ unit as the liaison for our agency mobile team for a couple years, and those guys, I mean. Any, they had a bottomless budget. Mm-hmm. Any training that they wanted, any qu- equipment that they wanted. I remember at Bagram, they ordered two or three Segways, those little leaning bike things. Oh, yeah. Just because they were on the list of options to see if they would get them. Three weeks later, they're rolling around the airfield on these Segways, just having a good old time. Like, these motherfuckers. Now, did they have to wear a helmet, though, and glasses? Probably. I don't know. But well, then, they, then it's not really that cool. You're still you still wearing a glow belt, right? So uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. You know, jealousy, <laughs> yeah. right? Ugh. Dude, yeah. But, you, you know, again, though, I, I, you know, I, I, I read a book, the Carlos Halfcock book when I was 12. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I told my mom, like, I'd always said I was going to grow up and be like G.I. Joe. You know, like I, that was that kid. I was. My dad was in the army. I had like my 782 gear, the stick camo, you know, I steal a lighter from my parents and I like heat it up and burn my face. And, you know, I had green shit all over my face, probably from seven until I was like 13. Um, but I read that book and I was like, man, this is the coolest shit ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course, knowing I would never be crawling around in the jungle by myself right. uh, to kill a general, a little disappointing. Right. But I still had a blast. Right. And I, I'd never trade it, right? I'm, I'm, I am glad I got to go to path, the path I went, um, you know, because envy is real, real easy to creep in, right? Like I do look at my brother and I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool, you know. But like, he didn't get to wear dress blues with white pants, you know what I'm saying, dog? I mean, that's that's how I got my second wife, right? I'm, I'm joking, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Uh, I, you know, back to your question, I, I don't think it's changed much, man. Okay. Um, I do worry uh, when I, I see some of the bigger uh, political kind of things creeping in, you know, like what I, what I did love about the Marine Corps when I joined is nobody cared what your religion was. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody cared what color you were. Uh, I, I truly believed and still do believe that it's, it, you know, the military is like the last meritocracy in our society. Absolutely. You know, you could be a poor kid from the ghettos of Puerto Rico. Um or you could be a kid that graduated from Dartmouth and you enlist. And I'll tell you what, man, nobody gives a shit unless you can move that pack, mm-hmm. shoot that gun and find your way to where you're going and make the radio talk. And and I think as long as we keep that, you know, the main thing, the main thing, which is that shoot, move, communicate, um, service to each other, right, more than, than yourself, I think we're all right. But uh, it does scare me when, you know, I see like emails with footers like, his his him or or what you know teach their own but like you know i think the military truly has to be this like politically agnostic thing right mm-hmm. like we serve the constitution we don't just we don't serve a party or the people we like we serve everyone yeah we actually serve the people we don't like or agree with more absolutely because that's a pure essence of that document we say we're going to support and defend, right? And I, th- I think that's that's vitally important. But uh, you know, you do see it kind of creeping in. Mm-hmm. You know, the all the stuff distraction. And, and again, I think uh, what you do on your own time is your own. That's your own business. But when you put the suit on, man, we're all green. You know, 
we're all green. Maybe a different shade, but we're all green. And uh, paydays every day, bro. You got to pay up. And uh, nobody gives a shit who you vote for. I don't care who you sleep with. Um, but you better do your damn job, right? And I, I think as long as we keep that protected, that that element, and I, I think it is a struggle right now uh, in the services, we'll be all right. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes here in a couple more years, right? Um, but, yeah, that's... So what do you think happened with the snipers? Tell me about that whole thing, because that blew up, and I so, remember, like, what the fuck? A lot of guys were mad, a I lot mean, of guys, and your perspective was like, brothers, we earned it. And you know, I, or maybe that's not what you, I don't want to put words yeah, in Yeah, I mean, I, I more or less, you know, I mean, look, man, I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, patient zero to some of those guys for what, what caused that infection, right? Like, oh, man, like, you know. Skinna killed the sniper program. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I've got a, a kid who's practically a nephew. Uh, he's in a sniper platoon out out on the West Coast. And, you know, he's like, Uncle Mick, man, like all my buddies are telling, telling me you killed the sniper program. And I'm like, well, you know, I wish I was that powerful, dude. But but no. Um, what you know, happened? You know, the writing was on the wall. We weren't performing well. Um, and, and, you know, some people will argue, well, we weren't performing well because they didn't. Uh, empower us with the right things. And, you know, I kind of, my counter argument was like, man, I was in like six different platoons and, and, and I like to think they were all pretty solid. You know, I mean, I know you knew all, my platoons rep over there mm-hmm. and we, like, dude, we moved into an area and like the vegetation died. Right. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was pretty damn gangster. You know, we just had some, some awesome dudes, man. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think you worked with some of them at, at the next place. Like, uh, Jeff and all those guys, you know, I mean, just they were fucking hammers, man. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of never an excuse that I would accept. Right. But, you know, we the community was asked. And, and when general officers ask you to do something, that's like a polite civil way of saying I'm ordering you to do this. Right. Sure. Um, and when we were asked to make some changes and uh, it was myself, uh, A.J. Pichuti and and. My man, Matt Castellani, uh, you know, two of my best friends in life. And we're all gunners, right? Which means the Marine Corps really fucked up to let the three of us not only get the, get that position, but, like, be together on, like, such a critical thing. And, and we walked into the, the lead schoolhouse, and we were like, look, guys, all we really got to do is, like, cut seven days. Like, and, and if we got to cut seven days. And, from seven, what does that mean? From the training? Yeah, from schedule? the training. Okay. They said make it shorter. And we were like, okay, we'll give the perception of shorter. Sniper school's shorter? Yeah. So seven days looks like two working weeks in the military. Right. So nine weeks instead of 11. So nine instead of 11. Yeah. In my opinion, that's a pretty easy, you know, cut your hand off to save the body, right? Yeah. Stop doing field sketches. We have cameras. Yeah. Or... <laughs> or who gives a fuck about a Kim's game? I'm just being honest, man. Like, sure. it's great, but it's like, fluff. do we got to do 15 of them, man? Yeah, or, it's fluff. You know, or, or maybe, maybe teach the kids how to shoot, right? Instead mm-hmm. of evaluate them, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe, you know, insert some modern teaching modalities and approaches, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not 1978 anymore, right? Like, yeah. let's let's maybe this is crazy, but I mean, have you ever owned a car more than five years? I can't. most most people yeah. don't. Most no. most people get a new vehicle about every three and a half years, right? Mm-hmm. So why the fuck would we do something the same way for like fifty years, right? Like, 
look, man, I, I don't even like people that are married that long because I think there's something wrong with both of them, right? It's like <laughs> you're just dishonest people, right? Um, no one can like someone for 50 years, man. But uh, I'm kidding. Uh, and I only say that because I won't live 50 more years for my my newest wife, right? I get out of jail on that one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, they kind of said, we're not going to do it. And I and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to kind of take my football and I'm going to go home and I'm, I'm going to make my own my own shit because I'm, I'm like the regimental gunner at SOI. So we can, we can make our own shit. Yeah. And, you know, again, master guns, passive man, the guy I talked to you about, um, he just a relentless individual, you know, he compiled a, a, a working group, which included the scout sniper instructors, uh, at the rate, at the basic course, you know, scout sniper course, sorry, it's not basic. I know that offends people. Um, and again, if we're that worried about the name of our school, we got bigger fucking problems, right? But, uh, you know, uh, Sam Lynch, he was in that 2-2 two -two platoon with me. I don't know if you remember, he had the big nose. Yeah. But super capable dude, right? Yeah, if you yeah. can get past that, right? Um, <laughs> I love him. I'm, I'm actually going to be his retiring officer uh, coming up here in March. That's cool. But uh, they brought him over, uh, a bunch of other very, very, like, reputable snipers. Frank Simmons, who, you know, did that work over in Afghanistan, swacking all those dudes in one day, right? Like, we get all this talent together, and and then we start talking to people like Kalen Wojcik and Phil Vallejo, who are out in the, the civilian world getting guys who are 300 pounds, uh, not all of them, but or, or uh, a mechanical engineer to shoot way better than all of us in five days. And we're shooting for three fucking weeks, man, and a dude can't hit a – 20 by 40, you know, at 600 yards consistently. Yep. And so we went out to these guys and we, we would run our ideas of how we wanted to do this, like more mentor mentee approach, a more, uh, kind of, uh, Socratic method of teaching, right. Which, which is what higher institutions of learning do, right. The good ones. Yeah. And so we inserted this and, and, and they put together a staff, of, of just absolute pipe hitters, you know, Luke Morrow, who won the Hathcock Award, right, for uh, contributions to marksmanship, right? And then the very next year, Caleb Neff wins it again, Scout Sniper Instructor of the Year. They take second at the – or third at the International Sniper Comp. And we hadn't placed there since Phil Vallejo like 10 years ago, right? So clearly, not to say the other method was wrong, but this was better, right? Yeah. And now – We've got kind of like the hard evidence, right? Like if this new RSC course is third at the International Sniper Comp and Quantico is like 28th, I don't know, man. Maybe we are not that wrong, right? But unfortunately, we get into this you and I kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of – I don't know if, I'm, if I got totally to answer your question, but, you know, RSC is still here. The Recon Sniper course is still here. And the regular course, I mean, they're still running them. Uh, how much longer? I don't know. Um, it, so they haven't completely canceled and eliminated the, well, the uh, job of... Most battalions have, have transitioned to a scout platoon. Uh, who is will that have, a different MOS? Is O three seventeen? It's still going to be O three eleven. O three seventeen will die once the school's done, I, I believe. That's yeah. how it was like... You know, again, I've been out a year, but I, I still, with the new job, interact with folks pretty pretty regularly. Um, you know, I, I think uh, – here's what I think will happen. Uh, it will go away. 
I, I think under the new commandant coming in, uh, it will stay away until he's gone because um, you got to stick to your, you know, you got to stick to your guns. Um, but I think we all, anyone who studies history knows the program's gone away many times uh, throughout history. But what it does is it always comes back better. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm hoping is, you know, with the lessons we've learned in GWAT and the lessons we, we've learned in all these other places, you know, and, and as RSC and some of these other schools continue to evolve, right, because everyone else is making their stuff better, um, when we finally do get to come back, that that's what we do. And, yeah. and we don't do that dangerous Marine thing of, like, pride and love of history and go right back to the way that we were doing it before, right? Um, you know, I, I always tell everybody, like, you know, I was a really good shot, right? And, and uh I went to urban sniper school and, and I didn't know how to zero my gun. I was a graduate, bro. And it's because when I went through, you know, you had the old Unertle and yeah. the instructors would like focus on adjust your parallax and do, do that. And I mean, some guys got it, but you know, I'm one of those dudes that's, you know, a little slow with mechanical shit. So, I mean, I think I had to watch that like probably 20 times before I knew how to do it. But, but you know, I could do a fuck ton of push ups. I could flutter kick until the cows came home. I mean, I wasn't even allowed to run. We had an instructor. I, I love him. I love him to death. But he'd make us run a lap around uh, Stone Bay every time he taught a class. Well, my partner got cut cor- cut in a corner, and I was I was an NCO, and he wasn't. So I had to bear crawl everywhere we went for like a week, right? Like yeah. range, whatever. I mean, and I'll tell you, man, I could bear crawl better than fucking anybody. But I've never had to bear crawl in combat, right? And yeah. so. We kind of that that school was more, in my opinion, of a, an evaluation uh, than than instruction. I was really blessed. My my primary instructor was this absolute gangster by the name of Joel Ortega, right? And uh, just a fucking badass dude, right? Cool as underside of the pillow. Um, and he, you know, after we'd all get fucked up by everyone else, he would actually pull his teams aside and like teach us how to do it, right? Yeah. And and you know. We shouldn't build an environment or have an environment where the dude's got to pull you aside to actually teach you. Mm-hmm. We should teach you, yeah. right? Folks will disagree with me, but the course is hard enough, right? You're yeah. running everywhere you go in a forward motion. Oh, yeah. You got 50 to 60 to 90 pounds on your back at all times. You got a 20-pound gun. Trust me, man. You, you, The dudes are getting it, right? Do I need to fuck you up just so I can feel better about and, – and I'm a hypocrite, right? Because when I was a sniper instructor – you know, and I'll get that out there, Zach, right? Like, I mean, you knew me. You're going to get called yeah, out if you no, don't. <laughs> no, yeah. So, I, okay. One, to the folks at home, like, I'll own my shit. I was, I mean, I was damn near one step away from Satan on earth, right? I mean, I was actually at dinner with a prior student last night. Uh, we are celebrating his birthday, and uh, he was like, yeah, Mick was so fucked up, you know? Like, I mean, and I just did dumb shit, right? Like. I'd make you write definitions with alternating colors every letter a thousand times, right? Just so you couldn't sleep for a day, right? And and I think I'm out now, so I don't have to worry about an NJP on that. (laughs) But, you know. We got creative. You know, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, and I was a really healthy human back then, right? Like I ate like a half a pound of pokey a day, some ramen noodles, and drank like a half a fucking fifth of Jack Daniels every night, right? But, you know, I ran 10 miles a day and did – thousands of air squ- or squats with my ruck, you know, that's all, that's all I cared about. And, uh, but again, that's not right. Right. Like, and, and, and it's very difficult to get to the point where it's like, 
man, just because it, it happened to me or I did it to them doesn't mean we can't change the way we do it, right? And and as the the regimental gunner at SOI, I was like, fuck, man. I mean, you know, looking at the master guns, like we both went to cyber school the exact same time, right? And, and I was like, man, do you think this will work, you know? And, and not only did it work, but – and we, we started – on the West Coast, we put those teaching modalities into the, the regular sniper course as well. And what we saw was our marksmanship scores went up, uh, our drop rate went down, and the guys were going to follow on schools and stacking up hardware, man. And again, it's like, you know, treated you like a man, right? It's, I think that's like the hardest thing for a Marine to get to, yeah. especially Marines. It's like, yeah, dude, that, that guy's a private or he's a corporal and, and maybe you're a sergeant major. At the end of the day, you're not better than that, dude. Mm -hmm. You're just fucking older. Yeah. Like, we're literally defaulting to the mindset of our enemies, right? Like, I mean, who's in charge in Afghanistan? The fucking oldest dude. He can be a damn window licker, but because he made it to 90, probably because he never had to do anything, he's now all of a sudden like the boss, right? And we kind of default to that in the military, right? It's like, well... You're just older than me, man. Like, you just didn't leave. Yeah, you didn't, didn't make you yeah, a good leader. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, <laughs> well, you know, I like to think that we do a halfway decent job. Again, like I said, I've had some great commanders. I've had some some awesome sergeants majors. You know, I, I really was – I was really kind of lucky, man. Because, again, I look at, like, you guys, and I was like, holy fuck, man. I would be – if I was those guys, I wouldn't plan on making it back to the States, right? Like, I mean, we really felt bad for the dudes. So <clears throat> I think I think he had already left whenever we did that mission with you. But I had a CO on that deployment that we worked together. And he ended up getting relieved halfway through. Absolute shit show. And I remember a mission that he tasked me out with that – I couldn't, I, I thought he was joking. And he, I guess they had had some Marines falling asleep on post, get caught, which happens, you know. And so he came to me and he pulled me into his office and he said, I would like you to take your team out and try to sneak back in. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want you to try to sneak in to every single post that we have up there and see how close you can get to those Marines because I don't think that they're doing their jobs. I'm like, are you fucking high? Are you trying to get me shot? Like, if they're not doing their jobs, cool. If they are, you want me to... And he's like, you will do this or you will be a saw gunner in a squad. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Which is, the, you know, lose everything that I had worked for. Yeah. And I remember I, I went over to the XO and thank God for him, uh, Cameron McCoy. Awesome. I know Cameron. I served with him in 4th Recon. He was a uh, awesome human. company commander. Yeah. He just became a doctor, like a little PhD. I am type. not surprised by that at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just got accepted like uh, the war college or something as a full. Just an impressive human being, man. Wonderful person. Physical specimen. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. He was like cornerback for uh, yeah, some. Yeah, played ball in like college. One. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I call him the TFG, that fucking guy, right? Like, <laughs> he's good looking. He's intelligent. He is. Shit looks easy. He great is. family. He's on another level. He's but you know what, man? One of the most humble mm. dudes I ever met, man. And, and again, I think that had a lot to do with his boss, right? Like, yeah. again, you got. A colonel who's, you know, Alan Jasser, who's like six, seven, 
you know, again, got the great family, successful, the level of humility, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just speaking through your actions and your care for your men, uh, you know, guys like that. I mean, they're, they're few and far between, but yeah, Cameron, definitely yeah. one of them. And I was uh, so grateful for him because I went to him and I'm like, sir, what the fuck? And you know, he kind of has a soft spot. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I organized a thing with him to go to each post. I had a PRR to call to call Lieutenant McCoy and be like, hey, man, we're going to come up to post one. And he's like, roger that. And so he would go to the post and make the Marines stand down so that I could fulfill this mission that I was, I think the guy was just bored. I don't even know what the hell he was doing. But, I remember you guys telling us when we were, spent, man. You know, when you get, when we were kind of like swapping the way we all did business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember my team? We were just like, holy yeah. shit, <laughs> yeah. bro. Like, I was immediately aware of how bad we had it. That uh, the whole Marine Corps wasn't that way, which was a relief. I'm like, these guys, man. I'm just like, why did I get sent here? This yeah, we got treated like rock stars. That's awesome. Man, I'm glad star. to hear that. Rock star status. <clears throat> I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so this this CEO, he was prior enlisted. He had a recon jack tattoo. Come to find out, I think he was like a supply attachment sort of a situation. He didn't go through BDC or BRC. Um, well, I think you know Mustangs are interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Just like they, just like they are, they don't. Just like they are in nature, right? Mm, Yeah, you got good ones, bad ones, man. Sure. And uh, I think the the difference is there's no middle ground with them. Yeah, they're either absolute hammers or total total fuck sticks, man. Redheads. They're on the binary scale. Yeah, they're either ones and she's gorgeous, or (laughs) watch yourself. I got it. You know, my oldest is a ginger zack. I'm sorry. (laughs) She'll be local here soon, so I'm gonna need to know where your whereabouts. Uh, I'm kidding. Oh man, but yeah. um, Anyway, I mean, back to what we were we were going over was. So you you feel that we kind of earned it. We we didn't we didn't adjust. You know, force. I, we didn't adjust, and, right? Yeah, it's you know it's unfortunate, right? Like, there's only so many places we can really evaluate people, right? And in one of those main events is like MWX, ITX, CAX when you were in, you know, or Mojave Viper. Oh yeah. And again, it's 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 not just sniper centric, right? Like, how many company commanders have you seen fired at? 29 palms or platoon commanders, right? That's that's where you get evaluated. And mm-hmm. and we had a track record there for for a while and, and we just didn't perform collectively. And and I think some of that was what I call G Wattisms, right? Like we man, we could shoot lights out. Like everybody got into shooting, right? Because that's I mean, that's what you did. And, and I mean it's in honestly, it's the fun part, right? Yeah. Uh it's the fun part, but it's like the one percent part, right? Like can't tell people how many when guys are like, man, I want to be a sniper. I'm like, bro, I can't tell you how many hours of my life were sent, spent on the side of the road in some shithole position, getting out of shape. <laughs> that resulted in nothing but yeah. me watching the road. Yeah, um, but that's part of the job, right? And that's that's what you accept. But I think we lost our way in like our mission planning. You know, like like it used to be, you met a sergeant that was a sniper, and that guy could brief like. A fucking captain, yeah. if not sometimes better. Yep. Um, you know, our our call for fire, our, our our supporting arms were just second to none. And then you got guys that couldn't even like 
calling a grid mission, you know, and, and, and that's really what it came down to. Like we, we were becoming detrimental. Right. And, and from an enterprise perspective and, and you know, and again, guys are like, well, then you should have fucking trained them. Well, homie, I, I, I get it that we can always say that. Um, but it's also on the individual, right? It's on the individual and it's on the collective to have the, the, the overarching mindset and, and viewpoint of, okay, man, we're not getting this here. Then we need to do this here. But every time I saw platoons, they were just shooting guns, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's fun, man. It's mm-hmm. fun. And you could, it's, it's real. It's tactile. You can talk, you and I are shooting next to each other and I hit and you miss. I can talk shit, right? Yeah. Same it's way. An immediate right or wrong. And it's two I seconds. I hit it or I missed it. Yeah, it's a total of two seconds. We both yep. shoot, and we we're already talking shit, right? Whereas, you know, learning how to, you know, control supporting arms, or, or for the love of God, writing a mission, right, or practicing briefing a mission, well, that shit ain't fun, dude. No, it ain't scary. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's boring, right? That's like all the, uh, that's like bell fed shit. No, man, that's how you get. That's how you get work. Being a lance and, corporal trying to brief a colonel and a major yeah. and all these captains was intimidating as hell. Yeah, man, and it. Yeah, and I'm a, I'll give you some kudos. I remember we were around that little sand table, and I really felt like they fucked you because I went first and brief, you know. And dude, you knocked it out of the park. I was like, holy shit, man! But that's what we used to make, right? We made this guy, no matter what rank he was, we gave him this like kind of instilled level of bravado, kind of not. Sure. I don't like that arrogance term, but like you were definitely confident, right? When you got out of there and you were good at those things. And through the years, just because we turned into like a, a shooting club, I mean, really, it was like walk to spot. I mean, let's face it, hunting those guys is easier than hunting in Texas, right? Sure. I mean, like I tell everybody, I got a tree stand in my backyard that goes off twice a day, right? I've got axis, whitetail. I, I shoot them from my pool deck if I wanted to, right? So it's more selection. And I really think like if you weren't dumb and you were like, all right, well, they only do shit during high lunar cycles. They always do shit at the same spot because we always go to the same spot. I'm just going to go camp my ass off right here, and I'm going to play schwack-a-mole and go back and get my ice cream, right? Yeah. And mint chocolate chip time. But uh, that's what we kind of fell into, and we were com- yeah. and we got a lot of praise and success for it, right? Like, you know, platoons weren't, like, respected from outside of the community unless they had, like— some pretty significant body counts, right? And mm-hmm. and nobody said like, oh, man, yeah, they killed a lot of people, but man, you should have heard Zach Ben fucking brief his order, right? Like those things are never said by anyone, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what's your, me- your your medal you get at the end of the deployment, right? It doesn't say like, and he was really, 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 really briefed well, right? Like, <laughs> no, it just says this dude schwacked these fools yeah. and like he was dope, right? Um it, and it's the easy button, and I think we we looked over the the stuff that mattered, and, and again, I think we also didn't progress right. Like when you have these guys who were sniper, you know, still are right. Once you are, you always are, unless you become a warrant officer, then they take the MOS away. So I guess I'm not anymore. Oh, really? You, yeah, man. But you are. You know, you got to leave with it, right? So. um yeah, like my wife cut my hog's tooth off, man. She's like, you don't rate anymore. I'm joking. Shut I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, when you look at these guys who were snipers <clears throat> on active duty, and they go out and they they continue to grow, right? Um, again, like Kalen and Phil, you know, I'll keep going back to them. Uh, Modern you know, day sniper. Yeah, if you're you not know, following the the lily world, should, yeah. like all these guys. Yeah, yeah, modern day sniper, man. If it, 
I will give the plug, right? If yeah, man, do if it. If you're not watching them, <clears throat> yeah. especially, you know, if, you, if you're a military sniper or anybody that's, like, interested in improving themselves just holistically as, as a precision marksman or or just want a, a, a very self-fulfilling mental journey, mm. I think marksmanship's a great avenue mm. for that, especially at that level. And those guys are like your, your Obi-Wan fucking Kenobis, right? Like Cody Carroll, you know, like – these guys, like it, they, it's not a job to them, right? It's, it's an existence, right? And it's, it's, it carries over into their whole being, and I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. But like, when we're not looking at those dudes who are like, I mean, that's their, their energy level, right? Like their energy level is based off of like that whole concept that feeds into everything else, right? The precisions that's required, the meticulous attention to detail, then we're fucking wrong, dude. And if we're still teaching. You know, put your heels flat, and you can only shoot this way. Well, no, man. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to shoot, right? I mean, I, I think the only thing that really matters is like this little part. You know, like everything else. I mean, you'd be upside down wearing a banana hammock, you know, and and eating a donut as long as long as you just pull it at, you know, pull it right. But um, I, I think we lost our way with that, and uh, I, I hope. Um, like I said, when we come back, we come back better, and we come back willing to teach and and inform and and mentor not just inflict and evaluate right i agree man i've i had the privilege of attending the marine sniper school the state department and uh, a three letter and then i i went out to the ftw ranch which is where i met phil and i attended my 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 interview was to attend a four-day precision class as a student, and they could evaluate me, and I could evaluate them. Mm-hmm. And what they're able to do in four days was more than we could do in the six-week shooting package of yeah. sniper school. And I felt just so sorry for the guys that had, had gone through that because the technology – one is no is so far above what we had. Oh, those are nurdle scopes. We've now got Collis five by twenty fives like that are f- phenomenal. Trimmer three reticles. You know, we've got all of these things and all of this weaponized math at our fingertips. But it takes the course so long to adopt those things. Well, I think it, you know. Again, it comes back to like if it doesn't have the appearance of hard, mm-hmm. then we can't justify our existence, right? And it's right. like. Well, bro, just because that part's be. not hard doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean it's still not hard, right? right. Yeah. I get these ladies and these twelve-year-old kids that come in, and in four days, I got a picture of a twelve-year-old holding a, a Ruger RPR and a twelve and a target at twelve hundred yards that he shot multiple times. And he's twelve. The gun was bigger than he is, and it's because it doesn't have to be hard. No, it doesn't. And there's there's simple, you know, Todd Hotnet has contributed a, a lot to our understanding of using the the ruler reticle, how to you know, all the different ways to apply that and to shoot it. And uh, Phil came out to the ranch, and I got to work with him, and he is a hundred percent aligned with his purpose. And you see it in his movements, you see it in his commitment to the skill set, and that's he, what I'm talking about, man. That journey, right? Dude, like, he has grown, and he'll tell you, he's like, I'm way better than I ever was in the Marine Corps. When he got out, he did his first competition. He's like, bro, I didn't, 
I didn't rank in the first three digits. Like, <laughs> and then he's, he's climbed that ladder by exposing himself to the civilian market where easy and efficient is what gets rewarded. Yeah. What's the most efficient, best way to do this job for me to, to achieve it and have success? That's what we're chasing, not the Marine Corps' kind of, well, we just want to make sure when you get there, it sucked. <laughs> well, we got to instill this I'll, trauma bond. I'll, I'll say even the old way made, I think, the best fundamentally sound scout sniper, right? Mm. Um, again, you got you to gotta progress, right? Mm. And, and I used to always tell everybody it's kind of like a caveman in the big city, right? Like, mm. cool, man, you got your club and, and you're hard, but, like, you don't even know how to use the crosswalk, right? Like, right. And that's really what we were kind of becoming. We were like this this archaic dude that was just like, yeah. and and that's you know, there, it's just you know, it's got to change, and 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 I think it will. I really do. Um, it has to, or it uh, dies, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, I, that's really the only way it's going <laughs> to happen anymore these days. But you know, I look at you know the recon sniper course, um, and uh, you know, extremely proud to to know that team and see what they they committed to that effort. And, you know, we've got Rangers going to that course. We've got sister services going to that course again, right? And they kind of they kind of just stopped coming to us. And and that says a lot, man. It says, you know, there's a lot in like your brand. Mm -hmm. And and I think our brand was was diminishing. Mm -hmm. And and everyone knows like in, it, this is a business and in business sometimes you got to rebrand, right? Um and I think this is a great start and a great reference point for us to go from, you know, and I hope when the scout sniper course comes back, it, it, it supersedes and in, in uh, RSC and it, it makes them have to change. Right. Yeah. Because that's what we, you know, should constantly be doing, especially in, in a game that the ultimate tournament is warfare, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, life and death, we owe it to each other and, and we owe it to the next guy coming in to evolve and not not just make it harder, right? It's easy to make shit harder. It's not easy to make it better. Yeah. And sometimes I think we really confuse harder with better. And that's definitely not always the case, right? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I mean, when I when I started going out there and saw that the tier one snipers were coming to that ranch to train, to learn those methods yeah. that we're teaching civilians, as well as the ranch. Like it's it's twelve thousand acres with thirty. Oh yeah, man! I took Have my boys. Out, I took my boys out there. You've man. been there? Yeah, I took. Uh, oh. Yeah, I took uh, fifteen guys out there. When? Uh, oh shit! Two thousand thirteen, I think, or fourteen. Wow. Uh, you know, and I love the Fallon family. You know, Tim's a patriot. He's sure. I mean, you want to talk about an American man? Yeah, that, man. that dude is through and through just one of the best Americans you'll ever meet, right? Um, we're almost like a sponsor show right now. We get in a lot of plugs, but no, <laughs> but I will shamelessly plug Tim Fallon and, and FTW. You know, they uh, great, tra great training environment, right? Turnkey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had Matt Spiker come out with Pale Horse. Okay. Um, and that's what my guys did, right? Yeah. And it, it was uh, humbling for some of them. Uh, oh, for sure. But everyone got better, right? Mm -hmm. and, and again, that's. That's the key, right? In in all of them, after four days, you know, five five training days, uh, they were like, "Dude, this is the best shit I've ever done in my life," right? And then, you know, we kind of took that, and then we got too big, right? Then we brought the whole division worth of snipers out to a place called Nine Mile in, in West Texas, 
then we had Dutch SF and Texas Ranger SWAT and all these dudes. And wow. it was just great to see, you know, everyone getting together, working together, you know, FBI agents, DEA, and and a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps, right? And and you know, some of the sergeants who were like, Oh fuck, maybe we are doing this wrong. Like Yeah. Cause look at this dude and he's shooting lights out and he can still get where he needs to go. Yeah. Maybe I need to think shit different, you know, think things over and do things a little differently. And, uh, but again, you know, you're lucky you've been exposed to a lot of different training environments, modalities. I've been very fortunate, you know, I mean, you see that it's not the only way it's not, you know, and, and, and again, talking about anniversaries, right. My, my very dear friend, Buford Boone, he used to work at the FBI. He was FBI agent, special agent. And, uh, can't call him mister that's his dad um <laughs> you know he posted a picture and it was uh like 28 uh 20 20 years ago was when i went through fbi sniper school right and, and i remember this guy talking about this crazy like touch press on a on a bolt gun right like to sh- shoot faster and i was like oh no you can't like you can't do that i was told like slow steady pull to the rear man yeah but, you know and i'm this like super experienced guy because i've been in the military for five years right at that point i knew everything <laughs> And uh, I'll never forget, like, he, you know, he just was, like, line it up or whatever. And, and, like, he, like, slammed it back to the rear. And, of course, where do you think the bullet went? Like, dead center of, the, you know, the target. And and it's, like, those mind-opening things. And you're, like, fuck, man, there's more there's more out there than, than meets the eye, right? And, and it, you know, I was fortunate that that happened because it, it inspired me to, like, become a learner of the, the mm-hmm. like, truly try to keep, like, learning in the craft, right? And I think a lot of guys that don't get to see stuff like that they just accept this is the it. reality this is it right and and again when you get to see how other people do it other agencies other branches of the military like fuck man maybe maybe we don't have the keys to the kingdom anymore right and, and there's nothing wrong with that but i think what we did is we allowed our pride to get in the way and say well fuck that we're we're, we're holding what we got right mm-hmm. and uh you know, again, I think it's a self-correcting issue. It is. It is. You, know, you either keep keep up or get left behind. Yeah. It's I been mean, a great thing for me because it was – I remember when I got out, you called me like, hey, man, do you want to come to Hawaii? Yeah. And saying no to that was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made, and it's bothered me ever since. Well, it bothered me too because I ended up getting Nate coffee instead. No, I'm joking. Yeah, the preacher man's a hell of an American. You know? He's a great person. He's a, he's a hell of an American. I've never met someone that loved God and loved killing as much. I they, know, right? It, it, just the complete duality of man. He was actually my uh, religious representation at my retirement. Oh, wow. Nate flew all the way out. That's awesome. You know, and prayed only the way Nate can, you know, yeah. talking about killing Muslims and, and you know, still making it like about baby Jesus. Like it was yeah. pretty, yeah, you know, and everybody was like, man, he's the absolute best. So I was like, well, no shit. That's why I had him come out here and do yeah. this, right? But, you know, Nate's, you know, he looks like something out of a Campbell Soup commercial, right? Like blonde hair, blue eyed. He's got the perfect yeah. family. And, you know, he will, he will drop you faster than you can snap your fingers, man. For sure. Um, for sure. He, but he, I think it worked out well for everybody, right? Like you got to go do it did. I, it your needed to, journey. And, yeah. You know, Nate got to get that piece, and and, yeah. and it was. I think he was good for us, yeah, because all of us needed a little bit of Jesus at that point <laughs> in our lives. You know, um, yeah, uh, it, it was it was really good, man. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, how how you've managed this civilian transition. I know you said you kind of jumped right into a job. I think 
if you can do that, that is the absolute best it, but, way. But that doesn't make it easy, right? Like it's sure. like, you know, you wake up for 27 years at 530 in the fucking morning. Uh, yeah. You're you go do the grind and you do your thing. But I think for me, like, uh, and, you know, everybody's different. Um, I think for me, what, what's been beneficial is like I've been able to focus on my kids, focus on my family, uh, spend quality time with brothers. Uh, and and kind of like shrink the circle of like all all the people that were kind of on the edges and like mm -hmm. not to be rude but kind of weighing them you know like what do you bring to the table not yeah. that you ever need something from someone or they have to but like are you bringing me a positive thing or are you a negative right and it, I say fuel the engines and cut the anchors is usually how and, I describe and, that and sometimes those anchors are can be lifelong friends that they can be some of them are family man. and i've done it and it's <laughs> and it sucks right it you're sucks like, so bad i love that dude it right sucks but, so bad or 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 person and and but i think you know i kind of you know just went fucking like scorched earth right and uh and i struggled with it for a couple months man no doubt no doubt like it was it was rough but i also think i was fortunate that like I work with my two roommates from Infantry Weapons Officer Course, right? And like we used to joke, whoever gets out first is gonna get the other two a job, right? And yeah. No shit. Like yeah. here we all are. So like when I go to I, I tell everyone, man, I I've been out, you know, for a little over a year. I've been working at that Saab for a little over a year. And, you know, one, the company is just great, right? The the mentality, the environment. Like I'm like, fuck, if I could have this in Marine Corps, I would have stayed for like till I was dead, right? Sure. Um but going to work with like your buddies, right? I, I still kind of get it. I get I get that fix, right? Like I go to bases, I take these out to dinner. I, they're using our equipment. I believe in it. You know, we've got a pretty dope system that kills a bunch of tanks, right? Like it's just fucking cool, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I travel around Texas with like a fake, you know, inner Carl Gustav. Like that's 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 rad, right? Um, so it's not even like working, right? Like I, I tell everybody, I. I've been work. I've been at Saab for a year, but I haven't worked a day yet, right? Yeah. Like, because it's just it's like a fucking frat party. I mean, with serious business, but like, it's just enjoyable, right? Like, none of us are sitting there trying to like send that last email out at with the timestamp of like eight thirty, right? Yeah. It's like if I did that with my boss now, he would like probably call me and be like, "Dude, what the fuck is wrong with you?" He'd say, "Mate," though, because he's Brit, you know, British, but. uh yeah, I think if you you've got to have a tribe, you've got to maintain you do, that man. tribe. And when you get out, it's like a you have to grieve it. It's your identity, your culture, your family. You lose it all in one day, and you're just sent home, right back where you were. Like for me, it was it was like a dream. Well, I don't that, think you and, lose anything. I think the weight gets dispersed differently, mm. right? Like now, the family's weighted more than the job, sure. right? And like. Sure. For some of us, that's uncomfortable, right? I'm not going to lie. I'm one of them, right? Like, yeah. when I look at my youngest, you know, I mean, I was gone pretty much up until she was seven, right? Yeah. And, and so, like, to work on that relationship and develop it in a different way, right? Not Like, not try to make up for lost time, but but make the time count, right? And, you know, I tell everybody, like, the coolest fucking thing I've got to do this year, and it kills me to say it, was take my daughter to UT, right? I mean, she's she's been doing the hookums and saying she's going to go there since she was four. You know, yeah. here we are, and it, it's becoming a reality, hopefully. And uh, that's just as special to me as, like, any mission I ever got to do. Yeah. It's just the way you weighed it, right? And I think 
I think that's what's important for for us, at least from my opinion. And you know, and and I think where it goes wrong is when guys isolate, right? Like because when they when they isolate, they don't just like isolate from us, like their brothers, but they isolate from everyone. Like when yeah. when you hear about guys that where it goes wrong, right? You usually when we all peel it back, it's like, well, fuck, man, he wasn't even talking to his family anymore, you know. And mm -hmm. and I think we're extreme we're men of extreme measures right and some yeah. of us don't understand like dude there's a middle ground right because we've never done that before and i think finding that is like where you kind of get that inner peace right and and that's you know i i, I don't want to sound like some cliche meme right but like i always tell my wife like you know like i'm doing me man i'm like living my best life you know like that that whole hashtag and uh and I think that's what we got to do, man. It's like you finally get a chance and it's scary, right? But to like self, really self-assess yourself as like a human. And I'll tell you, man, I was a horrible fucking friend, man. I was fucking horrible. I still am, right? Like I'm the guy, you know, I can't even remember. I'll be like, I'm going to call this dude today, right? And then I won't. And then like you'll text me or something out of the blue. And, and then we'll text for like an hour, right? Like. But then you don't do it again for like six months, right? Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, like like I said, man, I was not a model dad. I was not a model husband. I was not a model friend. I was really, I think, above average Marine and sniper. But at the end of the day, like, none of that shit goes on your headstone, right? And, yeah. And the Marine Corps is not going to be standing there when the headstone gets put in the dirt. It's crying. It's all those yeah. other fucking people that yeah. you were not very good to. So I think for me, it's not making up for that. It's it's living with it now in the best way possible. And I think that's kind of been like my key to like, I think having thus far a successful transition. Right. And, and I've, I've fucking enjoyed it, man. You know, like, right. You know, people are like, "Oh, do you miss it?" And I'm, I'm you know, I, I tell everybody, man, I, I miss the, I miss the absolute fuck out of the monkeys, but I don't want to pay the admission to the zoo anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, and life's awesome, right? I mean, it's it's dope. You know, I mean, you got Mattis. You know, I, I love the, I love the homeschool session you put up the other day, right? Like, we get to do that shit now, and, yeah. and I think that should mean just as much to us that the other stuff did. And I think if, if we can't get there, then we need to find a way to get there. And that's, again, that's like self-evaluation and progress, man. man, you know, not to get all hippie on you, but no, I, um, I agree. A, I agree a thousand percent. And it's been a journey for me to come to that realization. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of that came to me in naked and afraid, um, leaving him the Which day. Now I do have proof to my children eventually <laughs> that I know you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had just got home from Kabul and I was leaving for Columbia to do that. I had maybe a month home. He was three and a half. My bags were packed by the door. Uber was in the driveway and he came stumbling into the living room in the morning with his little elephant lovey in his hands. And he crawled into my lap and he gave me this arm and leg koala bear hug. And he whispered into my ear, Damn it. <laughs> Daddy, thank you for coming to visit me. Oh. And it broke my fucking heart. Yeah, man. And, but I was committed. I was headed to Columbia, right? And, and so I carried that into the jungle and I, you know, 17 nights alone in the dark for 12 hours staring at a fire. Yeah. I was done with it. 
And luckily, when I got out, um, we had left Afghanistan, and the job had dissolved with that. And so it's been a journey of of reprioritizing my life. And and recently, with the start of this podcast, Stay Zero, I didn't totally know what that meant for me. I, I knew what that meant for the company, but I didn't have personal meaning for it yet. And and I I had an epiphany, I'll, I'll call it that, um, where those two were the most important things in my life and all that I cared about. And the other parts of my life, the jobs, the hobbies, the things that distract me, especially social media, was the big one for me, uh, were just noise. It was just noise that was keeping me from the two things that I loved and I wanted to spend the most time with, and that upon my death were all that I cared about. And, and, it, and it showed me that I do have control over that volume knob, and, and I can keep that noise level at zero and stay focused on the things that are most important to me so that I don't get to the end of my life and look back and beg for more time because I blew it all through the noise. Yeah, man. And, um, yeah, that was the greatest gift that I've ever received in this journey of, of figuring myself out again, you know, yeah. who I am after the core. But it's a fucking hell of a run. Isn't it? It is, man. But I'll tell you what, the only thing that would be me- make it better is adding more gas, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. this, thing is, this thing is great. And I think that's, yeah. uh, you know, we never get to really enjoy life. You know, I mean, you do. You have enjoyable moments. But, man, it's so, you know, the colors pop, the smells are better, and, and the hugs mean more, you know? They do. It's, uh, they do. I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah, man. Same, brother. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me, this. man. Yeah. Let's Anytime. go eat. Yeah. Stay zero.